I know we were hoping for two out of three, but I'll take one out of three over this weekend. The Bats uh, fell asleep on the way to Minnesota, it seemed. We will talk about the weekend series. We'll talk a little bit about the Reds, who are next up on the schedule, because it's impossible to not talk about what the Reds did today. All of that on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So as I mentioned, we're going to talk about this series against the Twins and something we really didn't get a chance to talk about because the last episode was all about all of the coaches who were going on the COVID list. Uh, And I was like, it's kind of amazing. You have all of these coaches and no players currently. And then later on that day, Josh Naylor to the COVID list. Hopefully it's not a Yu Chen Chang where it's like a month before he returns. Uh, They do keep that COVID flex... I hate to talk about COVID in positive terms of any way, shape, or form, but the flexibility that a player on that list provides, uh, I am shocked and surprised that uh, Major League Baseball let that go for another what, a third season because the Guardians are a team right now that's borderline took advantage of what that allowed it to occur. But, you know, there's also positives. I saw, like, uh, the Athletic had a piece on, I think it was, like, Jason Kisner or Kiner, who I, I remember him is a player the minute i saw his name i knew it because he he uh won the home run derby in the at akron when they had the home run festival home run derby there the all-star celebration when that uh there's just absolutely packed for the press box i was like oh well see you know that's a guy who gets a shot who wouldn't have we talked about tanner tully i don't hate this rule i kind of wish there was almost like a a free 40 man spot that you could call guys up on that was like uh this spot where you you know but then, you know, it's the whole problem with this. Like, it's awesome Tanner Tully got that opportunity he may not have gotten otherwise. He has been the perfect organizational sh- soldier, and I guarantee you he ends up being a coach in this organization. Guarantee you. that It's just what it's going to be. But how do you do a spot that doesn't, like, end up turning into something bad where teams pressure players to go into a spot? It's like, well, once you come off this 40-man spot, you don't get exposed to waivers. Right? That's what's happening or you know that if you go you know that the flexibility has been used to give a lot of deserving players opportunities and i kind of love it in a way but then i know that unfortunately the way that is man it would not stay as this mostly benevolent thing the teams are doing uh but the guardians certainly miss nailer in this lineup you know even though well let's just get into it should we let's just get into these games so let's start i have box scores here so you're gonna see me looking to the right and probably grabbing the wrong, wrong mouse a bunch of times but going over here looking at the box scores from friday's game i, I still can't <laughs> so the humor of friday's game to me was the number of people who wrote articles about uh, the positive step forwards for aaron savali aaron savali went four and two-thirds innings and gave up six earned runs on seven hits two walks five strikeouts two home runs and has an era of nine eight five that's where we are with this rotation and where we are with Savali in general, that this is considered a positive outing. Six earned runs. Can't even go five innings. I, this rotation is the biggest weakness on this team. I mean, it is. there is no doubt right now, and we didn't think we'd see this. 
And I can go back to a few weeks ago when people were like annoyed at me where I'm like the rotation's a weakness and it's, you know, we maybe didn't appreciate the peak when it was the peak. You know, we got to see. Nothing is a guarantee. Uh, I've had so many top flight. You know, we can talk about Logan Allen who just went to uh, uh, Baltimore on waivers. Like, you know, he was a consistent top 100 prospect. Consistent top 100 prospect. Shane Bieber, on the other hand, I don't believe was ever a top 100 prospect. And look, you know, ignoring this year's production, you know, look at the difference there. You can go through. A lot of pitchers aren't necessarily the big... Look at Joe Ryan. He was never a top prospect. You got to see him pitch today for the Twins. Uh, There is a lot of times we get a little too overhyped because here's the thing. It's easy to miss bats in the minors, especially the lower minors, especially like double A even up to double A, I should say, and triple A. Uh, not to say that it is not a free-swinging league. It is anymore. But sometimes we get a little too hyped, a little bit too sure of ourselves with pitching prospects, and especially when it's the Guardians. We think that everyone's going to turn out well. Well, right now, Aaron Savali has not been good. And if you just go through his entire career, if I pull up, I know I'm getting in the weeds in game one, which means this podcast has like no opportunity to be you know, I, I'm trying to not go another 40-minute affair. But for all the talk on Aaron Savali, you know, of, of people who have been trying to sell me on the fact that he's legit too, that he's going to be a future star, first year in the big leagues, that was his best. 1.5 war in 10 games started, a FIP of 3.41. Since then, a FIP of 4.03 and a war of 1.1 with 12 games started. Then 21 games started last year and a... Uh, Let's see, a FIP of 4.83. And then this year, a FIP of 5.56 and a negative one war. This is his fourth season in the bigs. Yes, one of those is a shortened COVID season. One is a shortened rookie debut season. But the other like story throughout this is health issues. You know, this is a player who is 27. Let's see, he turns or will be 27 in June. I mean, he's not particularly old, but there's been health issues. And there's actually been declining production every single year. Now, again, you can sit back and be like, well, he was hurt in 2021, and there was COVID in 2020. Still declining production every single year in the big leagues. And if you went back and to pull up his minor league numbers, the the thing I've talked about with Savali was always interesting to me that there were people, and I, I'm not going to call anyone out to the carpet, but it's like I could pull out the, the DMs. Uh, the, we had conversations about I don't see it with Savali. Like he was the guy you didn't particularly like watching in double A. I'll just be honest about it. He he didn't do enough. He didn't think he was ever... like He's kind of a two-pitch guy who might be best as a reliever. That was my scouting report. I was wrong. But the people have come back to be like, oh, no. You know, I was on this guy. And I'm like, I've got the receipts, dude. No, you weren't. <laughs> it's it's fascinating. But those same people are very quiet now through the course of this season. It's you, He's another guy. Go look. That first year in the big leagues, 92.1 uh, average four-seam velocity on his fastball. 91.4, 91.5. It's down a little. It's not down a ton. This year, 90.7. So you're looking at, you know, nearly a, you know, one and a half miles per hour. Uh, what's changed? Well, that first year, his home run rate was uh, the only year that it's not been over 10%. So that's a pretty big difference. His ground ball, and you just look at it this year, like his ground ball percentage was typically in the 40s. It's 25. Uh, he is not... Putting the, you know, we've talked about it's better to put in the air most of the time. 
maybe he's trying to get the ball in the air and it's just it's not working with what he is what he does but his ground ball percentage 24.7 percent like i said over his career it, it was in the like 43 44 40 you know 40 and a half 44.2 45 percent uh left on base was in the 70s this is kind of a fluky stat that's at 44 percent and he's getting bat pipped to death uh going with that like you know bat pip for a pitcher is pretty consistent it's gonna be around 285 his is 382 so there's a degree of bad luck for savali the walk rate is a little higher he's actually striking out at the hitters at the best rate of his career but the other data is not very positive uh, overall and it is again it's the We'll see if, how he writes it. He'll write it. I think he's still a back-end type. I think he's a 5. I think he's a 4 or 5. And now a lot of people a year ago, myself included, especially early on in June, it's like, could he turn into a 2-3? Um, I've never been as high on him, as can be shown by what I talked about in scouting reports. But, yeah, I don't think any of us expected him to be this bad of what he has been. And and he was bad. And this was a game that had a lot of badness. We're going to take a break uh, here uh, to talk about good things, and we'll come back and continue to talk about this first game in the series for the Twins and the Cleveland Guardians. And our first fantastic sponsor today is Bet Online. You know Bet Online by now. I've, talk, I've been talking about them for over a year. They are your number one source, and continue to be our number one source for all of your betting needs and sports. And find the latest odds, news, sport, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs which have been ridiculous, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's get more into this one. Um, as promised, so Savale was bad, but uh, it's not like Brian Shaw was better. I, I've been having a lot of people call me out about my Brian Shaw takes. Because, hey, he's performing well. You know, outside metrics don't matter. Well, this is why outside metrics matter. Because this is going to happen. We're going to have those times where he goes zero innings. That's right, no outs recorded. Five uh, five earned runs on four hits and a walk. He gave up two home runs. Savali gave up two home runs. You had Morgan then come in, uh, pitch one and one-third of an inning, gave up a hit and a walk, but he struck out one. Anthony Ghost comes in with the hit and a strikeout. And then Hench's, you know, his ERA is now over one because he gave up a run as well on uh, on a walk. He didn't actually give up a hit, but he gave up a run on the walk. It was a, an odd game, an unfortunate game when you get right to See, I'm using the wrong mouse when you get down to it because eight runs is more than the Guardians scored in the next two games combined. They lose this one 12 eight. Uh, they just could not get the offensive production they got here. Who reached base twice in this one? Well, Jose Ramirez had two hits. You had three walks from Miles Straw, two hits from Med Rosario, who actually had a strong offensive weekend, I feel like. Uh, Framil Reyes had a hit and a walk, a hit and a walk for Andres Jimenez, two hits for Mercado, a hit and a walk by Hedges. The Guardians had nine hits and seven walks. They had 16 opportunities, so make sure I didn't miss. Nope, no hit batters on our side of things. Uh so 16 opportunities, 8 runs, that's great. That's a high amount of, that's a 1-to-1, an amazing 1-to-1 ratio. problem is the other side of things, they had 13 hits. Oh, and then Minnesota also had 2 errors. So you had, uh, going back in, 8 runs on uh, 18 opportunities, which is still good. It's not necessarily like stellar. It's it's strong. It's, it's, it's good. Uh, Minnesota on the other side, 
13 hits, five walks, and a hit batter. So that gave them, what, 19 opportunities, 12 runs on 19 opportunities is really good. That's less than two to one. Uh, and the reason you can get it that high is when you hit four home runs. Royce Lewis had the grand slam. Kepler went deep. Sanchez went deep. Or, I'm sorry, those are doubles. <laughs> but Royce Lewis still had the home run, the grand slam. Polanco went deep. Buxton went deep. Um, they had a lot of big hits. And the Guardians, this was as good as it got offensively for them. Who were the three stars from this game? I feel like you have to give it to Jose Ramirez, who went uh, two for four in this game. I, like, <laughs> I almost always want to reward Hedges when he's like, hey, he reached base twice and had a home run, and you know the defense is good. Uh, Mercado with his fourth home run and having two hits. Kind of, I'm tempted to lean there. Probably go with Mercado, go with Jose. And then I'm going to go with, it with Jimenez over Rosario. Uh, even though Rosario had the two hits, you know, Jimenez had the walk and a hit, and one of them was a home run. Uh, he's continuing his high uh, offense and defensive performance. What I don't love is that when Rosario is in, he's a short. And again, that just is not good for this team. It's just not. And it's just like that's the only position he can play. It feels like what in there in this situation, it's like, okay, so if Miller's going to play first base with Naylor out, then Rosario can't play second. Why can't he play second? How about this? Let's play him at first base. Can he really be any worse there than he is at at any other position? I just... Moving Jimenez off second where he's a defensive wizard uh, is frustrating. It's a frustrating thing to watch as a fan because we know that in the grand scheme, it's not as good. He is... You're going from a plus defender to a below average defender at arguably not arguably unarguably one of the top three defensive positions on for your team so let's talk about the win Bieber uh velocity still wasn't there but he was definitely sharp uh with only but not as sharp that's the thing like one run on seven hits and three walks that's in that one run coming on a home run that that's a low opportunity cost that is one of those situations the twins should have got more off of him when you have that many base runners, they should have had more. They they didn't. They had ten hits and three walks. You know, they had thirteen opportunities um, and hit batter. So that's uh, fourteen opportunities, two runs on fourteen. Like they should be at three. They should really be at three. That is a low outcome based on that. Uh, they were a bit unlucky. They didn't string things together. Uh, you know, they had the home run. That's one of the runs, and then they had a pair of uh, doubles. The interesting thing is all the extra base hits also came off of Bieber. So he gave up seven hits, three of them for extra extra bases. You know, he. I, I don't think this is one of those games where, you know, Fridays was what's wrong with Shane Bieber. I don't think we know what the answer to that is, and I don't think he, I mean, yeah, he's going to end up getting one of the three stars for this game because he was effective, but I don't think he is still Shane Bieber of two years ago, even remotely right now. Trevor Steffen, one and two-thirds, one hit and one strikeout. Sandlin picks up the win. Nice to see him rebound after some rough performances. It was one and two-thirds with the hit. Class A doesn't keep it clean. Uh, one earned run, the uh, runner at second scores, but he gets it done, picks up the seventh save of the year. A hit and a strikeout. Who reached base twice in this one? Well, when you're just going down, I mean, uh, Reyes, again, had a hit and a walk. So and then uh Quan had two hits and that's it. You know, Jose Ramirez had the rare offer. Uh Rosario had an offer. I thought so did he play well on Sunday? 
felt like Rosario played well. Uh, it wasn't that great on Sunday. <laughs> I guess my statement was I was just complaining all of Friday's performance. Uh, not great. And then again, with him hitting fifth, like he has been a worse hitter this year than Fran Mill. Everyone's been focused on Fran Mill. Um, going into this game, they had nearly identical OPSs. Why is Rosario hitting above him? It just doesn't make any darn sense to me. Uh, why are both of them hitting above Jimenez? That doesn't make any sense either. <sighs> um, you know, everything came together, though. They won this. Uh, should we talk about the 10th? What, uh, how they ended up getting that run across on both sides? You know, it's, it's Jimenez. He had the line drive double that scored Clement and gave them the win, essentially. Uh, that made it 2-1 to one, and then 3-1 to one when Miles Straw singles. But, yeah, I mean, if I'm going back, I'm going to give one to Bieber. kind of want to give one just to the bullpen in this one. Uh, I'm going to cheat and give it to the whole bullpen for the second one. Uh, and then I'm going to give it to Jimenez. Yeah, Freyas had... Freyas? <laughs> Reyes had... He reached base twice. Quan had two hits. Jimenez had the big double to really push forward and help them get this win in spite of everything else. Uh, you know, they had seven hits and two walks, nine opportunities to get three runs. It's, it's about average. Devin Smeltzer got the call up in this one, and, like, they beat him up in the past. He is a, a quad A type. You expect them to do more, but it just, you know. Miles Straw is being closer to what we expected which is probably on a good team. He's batting ninth, not first. Uh, stellar defense, below average offense. That's that's what you come to expect. Quan has been regressing. Not necessarily regressing, but when you are a contact hitter, not everything falls. Eventually you run into bad luck. Uh, Miller has been seeing the numbers dwindle a bit. He was never going to maintain the, you know, the MVP pace he was on. We'll see what he evens out at. Rosario had the good Friday, and in my mind, I thought he had a better weekend than he had, but he still really has not been a league average bat. Fran Mill, uh, you know, he's still slowly getting better. Again, I'll point out that the first two games, he at least he reached base twice. And then, yeah, Friday, Friday, Sunday, not so much with the Ofer, but that's two strong performances by him over the course of this weekend. Uh, Jose is Jose, he's going to be fine, but. There is, you know, some regression towards mean. Uh, Mercado has been below average. You got, and that's kind of our the big problem right now, right? This team this weekend had a DH, a shortstop, a right fielder, and a catcher, all with OPSs 600 or less, like well below league average production. So you're punting four positions offensively, and no wonder they struggled to get runs. You know, an eight, a three, and then one run on Sunday, right? Yeah, you're playing non-productive bats you're playing non-productive players and that's what's going to happen i mean shocking you play guys who can't hit and then you don't score runs simple math um that's it's just the way of it uh you know you wish you hope Naylor comes back quickly you hope the coaching staff comes back quickly uh, because we know with Carl Willis out there, there's not going to be any great advancement in thought or movement. They are going to play strictly what they've done all year. Uh, but yeah, this is this wasn't a fun weekend to watch. Uh, it's like the first game, yeah, they score a lot, but then Savale still is not looking good. Brian Shaw gets shellacked. It's, and then at least Saturday, Shane Bieber sticking together 
it pitches well enough. They win it in extras. And we'll talk about Sunday's game here in segment three. And then, like I said, we got to talk about the Reds. <laughs> At least you're not a Reds fan. Let's put it that way right now. At least you are not a Reds fan, no matter how disappointing this weekend was. Built Bar's got some sales going on right now. 12-bar mixed, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, solid flavors, and birthday cake puff. I have not had one of these recently. I do want to warn you before you eat them that they uh, they can be a little messy. The confetti just falls out of the container. And by confetti, I mean sprinkles. It is a tasty one. They sent me a box. Uh, so I'm going to have to sit down and eat some of those. I was loving, loving the granola. So keep your eye open for when that comes back. Here's a fun thing about Built Bar. Like I said, it gets an A from my health food app. Uh, when you're comparing it to other protein bars, it's the second highest in fiber. It's one of the lowest in sugars. Net carbs are very low. Fats are the lowest. Calories are the lowest. And this is against things like Pure Protein, Gatorade Bar, a Cliff Bar, Quest Bars. It, you know, it is a delicious tasting bar that, again, I will always point out, gets an A from my health food app and an A from my heart. Go check it out for yourself. They're always doing fun flavors. Things come and go. You might love that idea, dislike that idea. I will let you know when my favorite things pop up. Now, I don't always agree. And what's also fun about Boat Bar is like, my good friend over, you know, check out Locked On MLB podcast with Sully. He loves the berry ones. I don't. But, you know, it's not like I'm throwing those away when I get a box. I'm still eating them. It's not like anything is is uh, not something I still try, eat, and enjoy. My point is everything there is good. You're going to find a favorite, and you're going to stick with it once you do because it's such a great product. Remember, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15. It's the best deal out there to save 15% on your order. That is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Okay, Sunday's game. This is a hard one. Um, <laughs> yes, I said some, some stuff about Joe Ryan not even being the best rookie on his team. Uh, and then he, like, destroyed the Guardians. Like, I, I don't know if I helped provide anything. He goes six innings, four hits, zero walks, five strikeouts, one earned run. One earned run came on a Jose Ramirez home run. That was the only run in this game. Uh, now who reached base twice in this one? Uh, Richie Palacios. That's it. That's your list. It begins and ends with him because there were no walks. The guardians managed six hits. They hit, they out hit Minnesota in every game, but the first one. And I believe they still had the most base runners. They had the most base runners in every single game in this series. They just couldn't get it across. Uh, this loss knocks them below 500. Uh, unfortunately, you know, just doing the, the box score bingo as it were, Guardians had six hits. They got one run. Now, normally you'd say that's closer to about a two run, uh, especially when you have the double and two home runs. Of those six hits, three went for extra bases. They couldn't get anything together. Twins only had four hits and two walks. They had six opportunities, and they got three runs. So they outdid the average. The Guardians undersold the average. of, uh, And, yeah, it's just two home runs. McKenzie got tattooed twice that's essentially the diff you know i mean it is the difference in the game it's a three to one game not essentially it is they also man to man managed to manufacture one more but mckenzie didn't pitch poorly seven innings three earned runs just three hits two walks four strikeouts uh, you'd like to see a few more missed bats but that's really the only knock you know listen palacios is going to get one of the stars he had two hits and a stolen base he did some things he got some things done playing in left field uh this was like I said, it was not like who actually reached base at all. Jimenez at least had a hit. Rosario at least had a hit. Jose had the home run. Straw had a hit. That's it. 
Fran Mill and Ofer, Owen Miller and Ofer, which dropped him, dropped him. I don't think dropped is a word. Uh, dropped him. He's now hitting below 300. Remember when he was like 343 at the start of the week? It's been a rough week for him. He's he's regressing a bit to mean. Uh, Stephen Kwan and Ofer. Remember when he was hitting over 300? He's now down to 281, and his OPS fell below 800 for the first time this season. The young guys are coming back to earth, right? It's it's going to be interesting. Like we're kind of hitting this situation where Quan's defense is probably enough to keep him up here, uh, but if he continues to struggle, and it's also going to be interesting to see how many people are diving off the Quan ship right now. Like he was so exciting, he was so fun, and everyone wanted to jump up and say, "Hey, you know, I was on him. Hey, I was on him." I'll be admit, I was slow to the party. I mean, relative to prospect stuff i was talking about him last season i was kind of still like he and hot even at the end of the year if you add him to the 40 man uh just because i wasn't sure like a player of his size you know i incorrectly comped him to kaya tom let's just be honest about it you know i I looked at size build stuff and and was not fair it was a lazy thing by me uh his defense will keep him up but at some point you do wonder if he's gonna slide into more of a platoon role temporarily i do think one of the things right now that's kind of holding this team back is just it'd be nice if nolan jones could get healthy right like he is the outfielder that they really he's already on the 40 man they would like to evaluate he's just not been healthy uh it doesn't give them a lot of other options you know miller and kwan you're gonna definitely keep rolling them out there you might as well see what you have rosario especially with Naylor, you know out sick you want to let rosario hopefully you know have a better weekend than this one maybe rebound uh, his trade value to some degree. I mean, I saw, like, I think we talked about on last week's show, like, Hiram, you know, uh, sent the the message to me about, like, Fletcher's down again. They got to call on Rosario. And I'm like, why would anyone call on Rosario right now? Like, uh, bottom line, he's just not good. Like, why would you call on Rosario? He is not worth the time for your team. He's just, he's not been good this year at all, and he's not a good defender. So if he's not even hitting, then he's not really bringing any value. Uh, This was an, I think that is my biggest annoyance all weekend. This was a very winnable weekend. Starting pitcher and your reliever implode, blows a great performance by your offense. You get the overtime win. Then you come back, and your starter pitches well, and your offense just does not show up at all gets dominated utterly in this one. They could they could have left this weekend. You know, let's see. So if they win the two games here, they end up being, what, uh, 18 and 15? And then the Twins would have be, it would be a tie for the Central. That could have been it. I and mean, this is not like they were dominated this weekend. They They were in these games. They actually had more base runners in most of these games. They just couldn't put it all together. Uh, now they are under 500, but the good thing, uh, you never want to sit back and say, like, the good thing. We'll profile the Reds on tomorrow's show since Monday's an off day. Uh, I'll also be curious to see if there's any roster moves on the off day. We've seen that happen before. This is a week with two off days in it, so it'll be interesting to see how things get maneuvered and when coaches and players can come back from the COVID list. Um, I assume it's not going to be everyone all at once. It's going to be a slow marching out of it, but... The Reds today threw a combined no-hitter and lost. I, you know, my wife doesn't follow baseball uh, in depth. 
I decided not to say that in the Borat voice, even though it feels like uh, you're contractually obligated every time you say my wife. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the grain uh, and not make like a. Well, I guess there was the new movie last year, but you know what is essentially a, a decade old joke. Um, she even understood how weird that was. I, I like I stopped to tell her because I was just like, "This is crazy." I'm gonna tell you. I know you don't care, and I likely don't necessarily even know what this means. But I'm like. You know, we've gone to games, you know enough, and even she understands that, like, that's weird. So that's where the Reds are. You could be a Reds fan where their ownership is somehow um, even worse than, like, for as much as we get annoyed, Cleveland's ownership stays out of the picture. And they, you know, the Reds have stepped up a little bit more with their ownership spending, but at the same time, it's like, some of that has hurt them. You know, being stuck with Votto's big deal is one of the reasons that they gave away Winker instead of getting real prospects to get rid of Suarez. Being stuck with uh, Brandon uh, Phillips's contract, you know, they they have spent a little bit more. But man, those comments from their uh, the Suns owner, uh, it's an ugly looking situation. The Reds have never had, fun fact, the top overall pick in a baseball draft. They're one of those teams. I had that recent tweet I sent out. Cleveland never has either. Uh, and the two teams have never picked first or second are the Cardinals and the Red Sox, fun fact. But right now the Reds are at nine wins. Nine and 26. The Reds, if I was GM of the Reds, which, I mean, I might be before the year is done, let's be honest. I got a chance, right? I got a shot uh, with the way things are going there. Uh, no, I've said too much bad things about ownership. But like, if I was in charge of that Reds team, you know, I Guardians fans are always like, let's trade for Tyler Stevenson because we need a catch. Why would they trade a 23-year-old catcher who's like five years away from uh, our, you know, free agency? I, I'm holding on to a catcher because you can never find catchers. Let's let him continue to, and he'll keep his value. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him at all. But if I was in charge of that Reds team, Tommy Pham is someone that would certainly be uh, to the highest available bitter and I would not be sitting there and running out like Albert Almora Jr. for 23 plate appearances he is he's got to be approaching he's only 28 I thought for sure he'd be approaching 30 it feels like he's been around for a while but it's like if I ran this team I would just be sitting there uh trying to play the percentages you are really super awful you're a terrible team uh, if I were them, it's like, let's say you can make a trade with a team like the Guardians. Kyle Farmer is your starting shortstop. Say, so forget that. <laughs> I try to work out some kind of deal where I, like, I look at the, the guard, man, I mean, they are just bad. They're, I mean, when you've won nine games, we'll go into them in depth, but it's like, they don't really even have a ton that you feel like, okay, that could be an upgrade to a team like Cleveland. But I'd be trying to make lesser deals. I'd be seeing, you know, if I could go out and get someone like Jose Fermin that I talked about. I'd be looking at those high-performing sleepers, the guys who are not big-name prospects. I'd be trying to make some lesser moves if I were them to just go out and I would run virtually an all-prospect team. Uh, you know, I would cut Moustakis if you can't trade him. I feel like that contract doesn't can't have too much left on it, right? Uh, Tommy Pham, I'd be trained tomorrow. Like, I, I would be calling Cleveland like every other day. Like, okay, Tommy Pham, he's playing well. I want Jose Fermin and then like one other 
interesting prospect. Uh, should I pause and make it a real offer trade? Okay, here, we'll do it. So here's what I do if I'm the Reds. I, I call up, and I, I know the situation they are in. I know they're tight against the 40-man. And uh, if Ethan Hankins wasn't hurt, I'd be asking about him. I'd be asking for Hankins and for me, and something like that. Like, high upside, like top 15 prospect, a guy who could probably help us sooner rather than later. Uh, and, you know, as we talked about, it's something that maybe both sides would consider. Uh, it's something to look at. Uh, it's it's rough for the Reds. We'll get into this all on tomorrow's show. We're, we're not going to go too in-depth here. We've got to save something to talk about. We have nothing occurring uh, baseball-wise tomorrow in terms of games, so we will discuss the Reds. We will do... Um, I haven't compared them uh, since the start of the season, but I, I spoiler, uh, the Guardians are better. Yeah, I feel confident without doing a position-by-position comparison stating they're better. Uh, there's not going to be many if, you know, catcher, the Reds have the advantage. We'll see after that. Uh, we should also point out here at the end a uh, bit of Cleveland Guardians news. TJ Rivera, former uh, infielder, I was trying to think what he played, 33-year-old decided to hang it up and not second baseman, third baseman, first baseman. Uh, played in the big leagues, got 106 games with the Mets in 2016-17. Then he's been in the minors. Apparently has joined the Cleveland Guardians as a coach. Fun fact, he does retire with those 319 plate appearances, the 1.7 war, and an OPS of 108. So he was an above-league average hitter in those limited appearances. Um, you almost feel bad he didn't get more of a chance. Uh then he missed all of 2018 due to Tommy John. So, and then that those issues kept holding him behind. So, uh, he played well, and then injury issues, which is a shame to see. You never want to see anyone have that issue, uh, injuries shortening a career. Uh, we will come back tomorrow, reset the clock, talk about the Guardians, the Reds, the battle for Ohio, on the next episode of Locked On Guardians. And as end as I end every show, go go Guardians, go.